partners have to have the same mindset. They have to have the same ethics. They have to have the same foundation, the principles, you know, and it's hard to get that. I'm sorry to say that, you know, you might work so hard, but then the other person is trying to, you know, look for different ways how to beat the system. That doesn't work. And that's why a lot of partnerships don't last that long. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, as you know, it is my job to explore, dissect, and interview the cream of the crop when it comes to real estate investing, business, and entrepreneurship here in the United States so you can all make the right investing decisions to create massive amounts of cash flow, which will hopefully lead to financial freedom and that long-term wealth. As you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. But remember, Knowledge without action means you're just a fence sitter. So you've got to be educated first and foremost. Listen to my podcast each and every week, but you also got to go out and take massive amounts of action. And hopefully, the today's guest will inspire you to do so. If you do like this show, please give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching Reed Goosens. You can also, if you're listening through this podcast through your ear holes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play, you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to ReedGoosens.com. Click on the video link and it'll take you to the video recordings of these podcasts. You can see my ugly mug, but you can see the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, guys, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Vinny Chopra. The story behind Vinny's success in real estate investing and syndication is testament to the power of enthusiasm, passion, persistence, and positivity. Currently, Vinny oversees Monell Investment Group, LLC, and Monell Management Group, LLC. He is wrapping up his first two companies, and at the same time, he's focusing his efforts on his passion project, which is educating individuals of all ages through his multifamily education platform. He's an incredible man, and I'm sure we're going to find a lot more about his background, but enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Vinny. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Reed. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. I'm very excited. Just uh, beautiful. I mean, how much enthusiasm? <laughs> I feel that already in your voice. Mate, I, it's, I try to be as enthusiastic as possible. You know, being an Australian uh, on the, the podcasting airways, there's not, there's not many other Aussies talking about real estate, particularly US real estate on the airways. So I try to bring as much passion as I can. But mate, you know, it's not about me today. I've, I've got you on the show to talk to a lot about more about your background. So I always like to kick off the show asking my guests this, this, this one question. Rewind the clock and tell me, how did you make your first ever dollar as a, and, and not as a real estate entrepreneur, I'm talking about as, as you, maybe you had a job as a kid. What was, your, what was the, the first ever job on, on that, the, the path towards entrepreneurship? Well, that's a good question, Reid. I would say when I was in junior high, uh, I was a pretty good student, you know, studies wise and so forth, had a little bit analytical mind to myself mm -hmm. and uh, being able to help some uh, people and earn some money. You know, I think yeah, I'm trying to see maybe uh, right there where I grew up in New Delhi, 
uh, helping out uh, some neighbors who gave me some money for helping them to put some things together. That's right. what comes to my mind. Nice. So it's sort of being a help around the house and just, just being a, a nice young gentleman to help, <laughs> help his older neighbors. So you, you mentioned New Delhi. Obviously, you're not from the United States. This shows all about interviewing entrepreneurs, particularly expat entrepreneurs who break into the US market. So maybe walk us through your journey to getting to the United States and and then how you got involved in, in uh, US real estate. Totally. You know, when I was growing up, uh, Reed, I always wanted to be an engineer. I know in Indian culture, when a baby's born, they say, well, it's going to be either a doctor and an engineer or, you know, or maybe attorney, I don't know, not too much attorney, but that's what, you know, my parents always thought and I would break all the toys and things like that and put them back together. I always wanted to be an engineer, mechanical engineer, which I became. I got scholarship, merit scholarship there and did five years of uh, engineering, worked for Larson Tubro, but I had a desire to come out this land of opportunity. My uncle was here and my grandpa really, wanted me to come and, uh, you know, felt and do my master's in business administration. That's what brought me here with $7 uh, many years back. And the uh, rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I want to say that first and foremost, I'm, I'm a formal engineer, structural engineer. You're a mechanical engineer. I, I, yes. can't, I, can't, I can't even count on my two hands how many people I've had on my show who are formal <laughs> engineer, former engineers. Uh, because it's a funny way that engineers think, right? We, we, we're very analytical mindset and, and taking that shift of uh, understanding about financial freedom is like, oh, wow, you know, it, it hits you smack bang in the face. And for some reason, engineers are very drawn to real estate investing. Uh, but incredible story. So you came out here to do your MBA. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. MBA at George Washington University back in Washington, D.C. And marketing is my, was my concentration. Okay. So I thought, you know, engineering background with marketing, it's going to be a perfect mix, you know? <laughs> that's, that's such a weird mix because most engineers are very into the numbers, right? They're very, <laughs> I, want to, I don't want to say geeky, but they're very, you know, to think of an engineer and marketing, they're, they're nearly polar opposites. So why did you choose that path? Was it, was it to, to give you a well-rounded background? Totally. I think, again, you know, it all boils down to is that I was thinking that would I be very good in sitting in the office as an engineer or would I like to have background of engineering and be in the sales of that particular company? Mm -hmm. That's what I had in my mind. And it just so happened that when I got into my degree in MBA, I really enjoyed getting outside and being presenting, you know, my ideas and talking to people. That's when I sold Bibles and encyclopedias right here in this country to earn money for my, you know, tuition and did it for about two and a half summers. We only used to do it in the summer because I'll go to school in the rest of the semesters, but only work in the summer months going door to door and so forth. Wow, that's incredible. So you paid your way to get through university and MBA. That's, that's, that's absolutely incredible. Sure. And so once you finished your MBA program, did you go and work and did you go back to India or did you, you obviously stayed in the United States, right? You know, we could stay here for one year, you mm -hmm. know, after the whole uh, education is gotten. So I had really enjoyed my two and a half, three years here in USA. And I was longing to stay here longer than just one year. So I started looking around and I said, okay, let me find out where I can get a full-time position where maybe the company will go ahead and hire me for a longer period of time. And that's what happened. 
So I got a promotional consultant job, which was not in engineering. <laughs> it was in, you know, motivation speaking and fundraising. And that's what I saw. I said, okay, let me try to make it in this business. If I can, maybe the company will apply for my, you know, uh, further uh, visa, they call it, right? right, right. Staying here longer. And that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I know all about the visa program, mate. I, I, <laughs> you and I, we come from the same, being Australian, I, I went through the same process. So did you ever even work as an engineer or did you just, you, you, you studied and then you went to MBA school and you never, never did a day in your life? You know, actually I did, 11 okay. months. 11 months. I worked for less than a year. Uh, Larson Tubro, one of the finest companies in Bombay, in India. I was in heavy fabrication master planning for heat exchangers. Okay. Interesting. As soon as I got my uh, visa, <laughs> I, I ran, I resigned and came out to USA. <laughs> <laughs> well, that made fantastic uh, background about how you got to where you are. So then how long, what, what, what made you get involved in the real estate? Because it's all well and good. We all have this cubicle mindset. We're working for the man. Was there, a, was there a moment in your life that you thought I could do better than what I'm currently doing? Or was it just, you know, a natural, you naturally fell into it? Okay. Actually, it was together. In the sense that, you know, when I was doing my uh, presentations and, of course, you know, my full-time job mm -hmm. with my company, our friend circle in California, when we moved out here, uh, we've been married 37 years and we've been living in the Bay Area for 37 years. And my friend circle, when we got to know them, they were in real estate. They were buying single-family homes. Some were buying even multifamily, you know, back then which I didn't really get into like 37 years back, but we thought that we will go ahead and get single family. So as many as we could, some, you know, one year, maybe two or three, some other years, we started buying a lot of single family homes, Reed, you know? And then about, I would say, oh, we even invested about 30 years back into a multifamily, not as a sponsor, as a syndicator, but as a limited partner, you know? on the other side. And that was not a good experience, by the way, you know, they didn't really do well uh, for us. They made a lot of money as a sponsor. They taught me a few lessons, you know, what to look into and how to treat investors right, because I was not treated right, you know? That's so interesting. So your first ever syndication was as, a, as an LP. You, you, you'd done a little bit of um, investing in single family and I in the Bay Area, I take it, yes. right? Yep. Yes. And then, yeah. so how long, what, what was the first syndication you ever involved with? Okay. My first syndication was 165 uh, units in Reno, Nevada, Reno, Nevada. And this was like, you know, our friend circle and three people were together as a managing partner. And they were, you know, asking a lot of other friends to invest with them. And we did invest. It was a very beautiful presentation. I got sucked into it, <laughs> you know. But the thing was that it kept on for about two, two and a half years. They gave us very little cash flow, maybe even yearly, just a very little one. And then at the end, we only got our money back. No equity gain or nothing. Well, at least you didn't lose your shirt, you know, yeah. which is which is very important, right? You didn't want to lose your shirt and it's all about capital preservation. So talk to me about how you're, uh, you know, being involved in a, in a deal that maybe didn't do so well. How has that changed the way in which you operate today with your businesses, um, you know, Manel uh, Investments and Manel uh, yes. Management, LLC? 
Totally. I would love to. I would love to. You know, in about 2004, I became a broker, California broker, and wanted to find out, read, should I be, you know, opening up a shop to sell, buy and sell and all that. But then we looked into syndication world at that time, almost 13 years back. It really fascinated me because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm great in presentations. I'm great in talking to people. And why not to present great ideas to invest into the company. Then I started learning SEC ruling, you know, the point of contact and how to meet with the investors and how to show them and, you know, talk about their goals and dreams. And then, of course, we were looking for a first multifamily and we were, it was like in the 2007, eight now, you know, where the crash came and everything. Right. right. And Nobody will give us any loan. <laughs> Nobody will really even talk to us. You know, we were in California, my partner and I, but then we were trying to buy in a place in Texas where the job, the unemployment rate was the lowest, wow. uh, 3.24% actually at that time. And we said, okay, we'll go there. And uh, it took us some time. We did seller financing on one deal, 109 units and 101 storage units all together. And then we did a small raise on 14 unit also. We closed on those two, uh, same week actually, as a matter of fact. But to kind of mention that, you know, how it really popped up was that everybody was talking about multifamily back then. Can you believe it? 2006 and seven. And the banks were giving loans on multifamily rather than other parts of the commercial real estate. So that got us really quite a bit excited. Okay. You know, if you want to uh, go into something, we want to be successful at it. Sure. Sure. No, hundred percent. You always want to be successful at whatever you do. So going back in 2006, 2007, you sound like you struggled to try and get mm -hmm. um, financing, but how did you know to look in Texas when you're living in California? That's, that's, that's like, what did you have? Like, uh, did you see into the future or something like that? No, no. Good point. Good point. No, my partner had actually one small apartment there in Odessa, Texas. Okay. And then we started looking at the whole, you know, the uh, ranking list around like, this is about 2008, I think about seven or eight. We found that Odessa and Midland were on the top with the unemployment rate being the lowest. So that really made us a big thinking, okay, you know what, let's just strive to go there and see if we can find some more deals over there in that small market. We didn't know much, you know, I didn't know what cap on cap, cash cap rate was, COC was, LOI, nothing like that, you know, so just started to learn. That's one thing I'd like to say to your audience is to really put your mind to learning and have some coach and a mentor so that you, they can be guided because there's so much information on the internet and you can get blown out of proportion and mind just starts doing different things. We got to just focus in in one direction, find an emerging market, you know, get the investors base going and then get the loan qualifications going at the same time. And then of course, talk to the brokers and build the network of brokers to give us pocket listings or early on listings, you know? Sure. No, it makes, it makes perfect sense. But did you have, you, you mentioned mentor because having a mentor is so important in everyone's career. So did you have someone guiding you along this journey early, early back in 2006 and 2007, or were you sort of, you know, just learning as you went? 
No, actually, I did. I've, I'm the kind of person I like to do research and I like sure. to dig into who is number one in that field, things like that, because a lot of times things have been done already. Right. So why not to learn from the very best? And at that time, 2004, five. Around there, I came to know the name Dave Lindahl. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, you know. So he was the one that I came to know and I bought his course CDs on a eBay, actually. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to go there, you know, to meet and everything. So I just said, let me find out if there is somebody selling. So for 300 bucks, I bought that course, I think, you know, home study course. And then while I was traveling in the car, I always felt that, you know, never listen to music and shows, but make it automobile university so that you can really listen in so much and gather information and so forth. So that's what I did. I went ahead and learned a lot about multifamily, bought his emerging markets book back then. Also, uh, Multifamily Millionaire, I think, was Mm -hmm. another book Mm -hmm. that I bought. And that really perfect, you know, got me going. And then two or three years later, I saw him in person in San Francisco at a free seminar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like you've had, you did the right thing in terms of you educated yourself about the benefits. You you, you teamed up with a person who was, you know, the top of their industry and still to this day is at the top of the industry. Dave Lindahl is is synonymous with multifamily real estate investing here in the United States. Sure. But you did the right thing. So now walk us through how you've you've done all your education. Did you have Dave as a, you know, in your back pocket when you went hunting for your first deal in Texas or was it more, I've got, I learned how to do this. Let's go out and apply it. Oh yeah. No, we had to apply it. It took us about nine months almost. It was a lot of upside and turbulation and lots of no's, lots and lots and lots of no's. We were in Dallas almost for six months and couldn't get anywhere at all. I mean, you know, we were just getting blooded every time, you know, and then we just kept on researching more and getting more in Odessa, Midland and Dallas. We thought, okay, around there, we should be able to make our first purchase, you know, and so forth. So we ended up doing in Odessa, by the way, we did two deals and then we bought four more deals there. Then we bought two more deals in a middle end. We had like seven deals, I think around there. We have sold majority of them, doubled our monies and all that. Then we went to San Marcos and then Seguin, uh, you know, and San, San Antonio, all that area, bought over there. So I did 14 syndications in my old two companies, my acquisition and management company, which we are wrapping up. And then I did 12 syndications in two years in my new company, Monil Investment Group and wow. Monil Management Group. <laughs> That's incredible. So, and, and the first 12 that you did, uh, how, over how, what, what time period did you do those first Okay, 12? those were like, I would say read anywhere from uh, seven years. Seven. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so about or just shy of two a year, right? Yeah. That's what you're doing. Um, and that was between 2007 to 2014, yes. right? 14 or so, right? We right. stopped our buying in 2014 in the old company. And I told my partner, we're going to split up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other thing to the audience. I would really like to say, sure. choose your partner correctly, you know, <laughs> choose your partner because that is a huge, huge, huge that can make or break you. You know, I mean, you could see that I did 14 small ones there for worth about 70 million, I think. It took me so long. I did 132 million 
in two years in my brand new company, which I'm 100% owner, and I know what I put into it and how quickly I can bring money, you know, and so forth like that. Right. And I can make decisions very quickly. I don't have to ask anybody. Things right. like that. No, that's, so that's, 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 that's incredible. The audience, maybe get a partner only for one or two deals, but don't really get sucked into making this a big business for life. You know how I, okay. I because you might only need somebody for one or two deals for their net worth or things like that. But it doesn't take that much. It's not a rocket science. <laughs> That's what I tell <laughs> everybody. You know, it's the investor base. Of course, you want to keep on talking to a lot more people and, you know, keep on building the investor base, like I say. And then brokers, you know, we want to build the base with the brokers. And then once you have your loan, First, you get first property. The second one gets easier. Third one gets easier, you know. And now I got like 12 loans for my this syndication. I didn't have to do anything. My loan broker was able to, you know, put my story in front of banks and other people and all that. That's fantastic. I want to just quickly um, hash on two things, which was your, your, your partnering, which I think is really important and what you mentioned you know, getting started in the business of syndication, I've, I, I've spoken a lot about this at length on this show, is, is really about the power of your team, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you identified that you needed to partner up with a few people sure. to get you on your way. But that as you've got on your way, you can part ways. You may not yeah. need that person for their loan balance. Uh, you mm -hmm. may not need that person for their ability to raise equity because you've become confident or you've, you've grown your own net worth. So talk a little bit about that mental shift as well probably also when you're when you're starting out you're thinking i'm apprehensive i don't want to do it and i need someone to help me but then after a few deals you become confident you start to flap your wings yes. and all of a sudden you're saying well hang on i don't need you anymore i've got this covered <laughs> thanks for th thanks for the time but i'm actually going to go do this by myself so maybe talk a little bit about that as well totally i think again you know i feel like uh read that Partners have to have the same mindset. Yes. They have to 100%. have the same ethics. They have to have the same foundation, the principles, you know, and it's hard to get that. I'm sorry to say that, you know, you might work so hard, but then the other person is trying to, you know, look for different ways, how to beat the system. That doesn't work. And that's why a lot of partnerships don't last that long. You know, we lasted about seven years or eight years. We're still selling the properties, but we don't talk that much. You know, right. Can you believe right. it? You yeah. know, but the thing is, which I'm great, so thankful that it was a syndication business that I got into where everybody has to rise up to the occasion because right. investors' money is, you know, uh, at stake. If it were not investors' money, where would we be, you know? Right. So, one has to really make sure that, you know, if you do partnerships, some partnerships work out, but many times it doesn't work out, you know, if they are not the equal partners, you know, no, that's, that's all I can say. That's, that's, no, it's good advice um, for people. So just, just to, just to quickly recap on what you said, I think that it was really important is that you got to have, you know, the same found, founding principles, I guess, and same ethics. Yeah. You have to also be on the same wavelength nearly. Yeah. Um, and I know personally, I, I partnered with a couple of people back when I used to flip houses. We're not partners anymore. It's sure. taken a long time to find a partner who can be a strategic partner, but also help grow a business. So there's definitely 
teething as you get started in the business of syndication, um, particularly when you, you know, how much of a team effort is involved with totally. getting the first deal over the line. So I, I, I want to talk about now you, you, you've migrated into this, you know, 100% owned business. Sure. You've also built a bit of an ecosystem, right, with your business because you've, you've created, it sounds like your own property management firm. Do you want to talk you a know, little bit about that? Oh, totally. You know, actually, we started our property management company about a year and a half when we bought our first couple of apartments. Okay. We were working with a very big company from Dallas and uh, they were a good company, but they were just not catering to us small people. You know, <laughs> they were managing 33,000 units and we had only two units out of their whole thing. Right. So we were finding we were spending too much time ourselves being in the front line. We were making decisions, but we were paying them money. And they were controlling our money and spending money that we would, you know, we, we would come to know at the end of the month or kind of thing. So that's what happened. And then we again reached out to Dave Lindahl, his right-hand person. You know, I don't want to say her name, but I don't know if she's still doing it, but she came down and started our company from scratch. So we paid her money. I have always believed in paying somebody professional money so that it can shorten my, you know, whole learning curve, right? Our right. learning curve, I should say. So we started Ideal Management Group. And now with the new company that I started, Monil Investment Group, our kids name, Monica and Neil. Mon and also then we started Monil Management Group at the same time. And now we have 67 people employed full-time in that company within three years. In just three years, that's, we have built that. You that's know? incredible. And, and a lot of people have the idea of, okay, I'm going to get this huge um, portfolio of deals uh, or units, and then I'm going to bring property management in-house. It sounds like it was easy, but I want to say that, you know, I look at property management on my deals, and I don't know if I really want to do it, you know, like, <laughs> it's yeah. just, you know, I leave it to the professionals. If I've got someone that's working, don't, don't fix what ain't broke. Right. So how did you, you know, was it challenging to get a, a property management team off the ground initially? Yes, it was. It was definitely Reed. I would say, you know, again, it boils down to as a syndicator, when I'm on the loan on so many, you know, loans and things like that, I know the, investors liked the fact that I was not getting away right. from the property where they were invested in. And that's why we have actually ran this whole business, all four companies on a total transparency mm -hmm. right from the ground up. In other words, our investors can go to the properties without telling us they can shop it. They can ask for GL. Of course, everybody gives the P&Ls and the rent rolls, but our investors can ask for anything they want, invoices, bids, uh, you know, bank statements, whatever they want, GL, uh, CapEx, in my yep. presentations that I do, every quarter I've been doing it for 10 years, every <laughs> quarter for every deal, because every property is in a different LLC. So right. I look forward to that in a nice presentation and I record it also. And then those people who are there, investors, they have live question answer with me, which is recorded in lifetime. And then we send the link also to all the investors. Yep. So I never had a website for seven, eight years. I just built the website last year, by the way. 
So all my investors of 130 or so now, they are word of mouth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally word of mouth. You know, I didn't even, they said, oh, talk to my friend or talk to this, talk to my daughter, talk to my son. So now I can raise almost six to 10 million in just a couple of days. That's, that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's truly fantastic. And, and I want to just quickly um, finish up that thought process with the property management. So it was just a natural process to start it. And and it seems like you were able to very successfully do it from afar, I might add, because you you live in San Francisco and and, and you're the lion's share of your portfolio is in Texas. So, you know, well done. Um, And I would love to get you back on the show to talk more about starting a property management team. But I want to touch briefly on what you just said, which was very fascinating, the word of mouth and that you didn't have an online presence. Where did your first investors come from? And and, and are they they foreign expats, you know, from India as well? Um, Because I I know that a lot of international, particularly myself, you know, being Australian, Mm -hmm. I've attracted other Australians. And I've also attracted other, I've got, I've got uh, Indian investors myself. Uh, I've got, I've got investors from China. Um, I've got investors from Canada. So there's something about the expat community, regardless Mm -hmm. of what, where you're from, they, they like to support each other, right? That's why you see little Tokyo, little, little Ethiopia, little yeah. India, you yeah. know, they like to support each other. So were, were your investors um, uh, from, from your home country originally? Totally. You know, actually in the starting, when we did was we were going to boot camps and things like that. You know, when you exchange cards, I remember mm-hmm. one time early on in the year, we had like 350 uh, investors or students or whatever you can talk, you know, in our Excel worksheet. And we had a very methodical way to talk to them. And I designed, I'm a pretty good designer, systems guy. So (laughs) I designed these worksheets and everything and we write down every time when we talk to them, the date, and then some comments, things like that, that really got, and then my presentation skills to put together PowerPoint. Actually, Dave Lindahl invited me, paid for my trip. Uh, seven years back, actually, seven, eight years back to Chicago, where I presented my whole presentation, how to bring people to a restaurant and give them presentations and meet in the meetup groups and do the PowerPoint. I gave in front of 300 investors. I still remember that. That's incredible. And I still have that PowerPoint from 2010, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I've improved on it now, but that's how it is, you know? So, Kind of answer your question, yes. You know, it's a slow, slow process when it started from small number of people we had. But once I got some Indian who really trusted me, right? I was mm-hmm. sitting in his living room. I didn't know him from anywhere else. But he said, Vinnie, where are you going to work? And this, oh, he says, I'll, I'll take leap of faith in you, you know? Fantastic. And he check for 50000 And by the <laughs> end of the LLC, when we were closing, he had put in 125000 He liked how much I was giving him information about the sale, about the closing, about the due diligence. And that's what I do. I really keep my investors abreast by, through the newsletters, through articles. You know, I just raised like $8 million for my Atlanta deal within two days. Just that's two incredible. days. That's incredible. You know, and they are looking forward to it. And some of them are now going to my website because they have seen some other comments and they say, Vinnie, yeah, we want to invest half a million with you. They have <laughs> not even talked to me yet. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you know, so it's good. Let's thing. get to know one another, right? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> no, it's, it's an incredible journey. And 
it just it's such a it's such a powerful thing that you've created and and you know hats off to you and big pat on the back because it sounds like you've done an incredible job and um i just wanted to to touch on and for all those listeners out there who didn't quite understand or you know catch what vinnie said was that he built a platform and and he built a platform through trust and transparency yeah. and it's very important very very important yeah. as a syndicator when you're dealing with other people's money to make sure you're doing the right thing being ethical be transparent uh be forthcoming um even even in the bad times you know be honest even when things may sometimes go wrong be honest that don't is be so true Reed. if i may say so i had one syndication deal in san antonio where in we missed it there were some you know, sewer problems and foundation problems and things like that. And our group of investors were attorneys. I mean, <laughs> all of them friends, you know, and we gave them only one time cash flow. Then for a whole year and a half, we could not give them any money because everything was going into that property. But they appreciated it that we were there with them and telling them every, every time. And we were meeting with you know, their representatives and things every two weeks. And right. we didn't mind that because we wanted them to know. So you're right. By yep. opening up the bad, the good, the ugly, everything, it's so, so important. In so some important. property, I know in uh, San Marcos, you know, our property had a little extra, uh, you know, higher vacancy, right? For mm -hmm. because one of our manager left, she was stealing money. So we didn't take any management fee because even though we are managing it, but for six months, we didn't take any fee. We told oh, the investors, we're going to give all the cash flow to you. You I know, think that's, I think that's a very important it, our share until the sale also. Yep. So they really appreciated it, you know. And and I um, I am hundred wholeheartedly support being as a as a syndicator. Yeah. Um, uh, we we structure it that we do a pref return on our deals, yes. and and actually we don't get our asset management fee until we hit that pref return. Totally. So we may not get an asset management fee for yeah. a year and a half because yeah. we may not have hit that pref. Totally. Uh, it it makes us work harder, but it also shows the investor that we really, really value them investing and trusting us okay. uh, and that we want to make sure that they, we do the right thing by them. So for everyone who's listening out there, please take notes. You're probably going to rewind this and, and listen to it again. <laughs> but, but Vinny, I'll, I'll, I really say that really, if I may say, you know, the residents are gold. We never say tenants in my company <laughs> and these are never apartment buildings. These are communities, you know, exactly. we call them communities, Monil standards of operation. We bring into it. We put cafes, we do media centers with lots of things, then the breakfast on the go and every month activity. And then we put the dog parks and all those, you know, good things yep. which all the good people do. So residents are gold, investors are gold. <laughs> Exactly. And then the staff is gold, you know? So those three goals, we have to keep in mind that we are working for them to make sure that the company runs smoothly. You know? and, and, you, and you're creating communities, right? You're creating, yeah. you're transitioning properties to make the best and the maximum best and highest and best use. So um, I think it's incredible. And, and I, I love the, the, the philosophy that you have behind, you know, gold investors, gold tenants and gold employees and making the yeah. whole ecosystem of your business yeah. Very, very um, transparent, uh, but also sure. making sure that there's not one person in that chain of events that doesn't feel unappreciated. I think that's very important. Totally. So, 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 so well done, Vinny. I want to I want to ask you about your 
you know, what does the future hold for you? You know, we, we, you've, you've, you've achieved a lot you've, to date and if, congratulations. Thank you. What, is it, what does it hold both personally but, and professionally as well? You know, I, I'm 65, by the way, just turned 65. So you don't look at, look at you, you, you young chicken. I always have felt 30, 30, 30 as the life, you know, instead of quarter, 25, 25, 25, I look at it, you know, 30 years. And then at 60 or 62, I retired uh, to two years back. And this is my passion. It's passion that I can give this knowledge that I have achieved in my systems to my students, you know, to investors who can be very good syndicators. And then also my passion is to help the baby boomers and even millennials on the two ends, baby boomers with lifestyle so that I can help them to put their money and get great returns of 18 to 24% is our average that we give out IRRs. You know, sometimes we have given 43.3%, 69%, all these because some deals are really great deals, you know. And now on the millennial side, again, they like portability. So apartment and uh, I should say multifamily is here to stay long, long time just because of those two you know, factors. And then we are building a youth academy also where I would like to teach the high school students and college students talk about finance and entrepreneurship and put a bug in their mind about having the real estate so that they could have a duplex or a fourplex at the age of 22 or 24. They could save money you know, as they're growing up at the age of 14, they can start saving money and then get into real estate as soon as they can. So that's not, those are a few passions. The market is changing a lot. Read, as you know, comp competition is getting, correction is coming. Everybody's talking about it. We don't know when, but if we buy it correctly, we don't have to worry. That's how I look at it. So I'm doing a $50 million fund now. And uh, that's- five zero. Five zero, five zero, fifty million dollar fund because a lot of my investors are. We are selling several properties also with my old company and the new company, and there will be a big gain. Like I think this one is sixty nine percent per year. My investors are making in this deal in three years only that I bought some three years back, and I'm selling them now. Right. I bought them for three point five five zero. I put into one point three zero. I just signed a contract for 8.6 million. Wow, that's incredible. So it's going to be a bonanza money coming in. So I was thinking, you know, why can't I go ahead and get a 506C, not a B. Mm -hmm. I've been doing 506B all the time, yep. all these 26 indications. So now I'm taking a leap a little bit forward and that way I can put one PPM together for the fund, $50 million fund, but we can do it in stages. So I have hired a fund administrator who's going to be doing all the throwing up and dividends and all those, you know, cash flows. And we pay our investors through bill pay. That's another thing I would wow. love to your audience. We have never written a check in our life to our investors for 11 years. We have not written a single check. And it's been all through Wells Fargo bill pay. We set up each LLC and then all the investors as vendors in there. Mm -hmm. And then we can just drop the numbers quickly and there it just goes. They print the checks, they mail the checks. We have a whole history of every cash flow, you know, that the investors have gotten. And it's so easy, it's wonderful. And then I just hooked up with 
Update Capital, that's another very good site, updatecapital.com. And they are on my back end of the system. So I just started with them about six months back or so. And now my investors can log in and they can look at their all the investments in every syndication. They can look at it, how much they put in, how much they made each quarter, how much they made total in graphically terms and everything. And each property, the P&Ls for the last four years, I've uploaded them there by each quarter, the rent rolls, everything. And then we can provide them K1s also through the system and everything. I'm very upbeat on it. I was going to build it in my website and I paid a guy also $2,500, but uh, I never look back. You know, I never worry about if I'm losing money. I like to see what's it today and how I can make it better tomorrow. Like, 10 years back, I went to a system, luxury home selling or something that I heard in San Francisco, spent $10,000, went to Vancouver, high Regency, four day, all that. I came back home and I told my wife, you know what? It's not for me. I don't know what they're trying to sell. I don't know. They didn't tell me anything until fourth day. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I, I, I hate those type of seminars. You got to get into the nuts and bolts. That's what you're here for, right? It's 2017. Everyone's sharing information. Exactly. You know, for free. It's the, it's the, we're in the world of the internet. Like, come exactly. on, guys. You know, exactly. I, 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 I know your gripe that you have, um, <laughs> but it sounds like you've got so much on your plate. Like it's, Yes, I'm really excited for you, man, and, and, and you've got so much coming up um, down the line. And, and I want to just ask, you know, where, where do you see the market going um, in the next couple of years? You know, to be very truthful, I think I have always felt in my mind, see, it's all in between our ears, right? Sure. I mean, we got to make sure that we see that when there is correction coming, it's not going to come in the whole USA and everything is going to go down, you know, overnight, Right. You know, I hear a lot more people are talking about stock market falling and this and that because it's been riding so high and so forth. And I feel if that goes down, people are going to pull the money out. Where yes. are they going to put? They're going to put it in real estate or some 100%. other means. Precious metals. I don't know, bitcoms or not. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's not talk about that. But, you know, the thing is that if we buy multifamily is one thing. Even if the correction comes in a local area, the retail market will be hurting first, and then it will be the office market, and then it will be industrial, and then comes, you know, multifamily. Hospitality will also get hurt a little bit, but multifamily is something people need roof over their head, you know, and especially if you are in the uh, B and C class not in A class. I don't believe in A at all. I never have bought it. I will never buy A class at all. I can't afford it also, by the way. <laughs> but you know, the thing is that you got to, if you are in the Bs, B plus and B minus and C in a good area, we have always felt we want to buy B or C in A area. Like right. when we went to San Antonio, we went to Almo Heights, mm -hmm. beautiful area. Class yep. one. Class I know eight. exactly where it is. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so we found out through our research, let's buy there. And that's near the quarry and everything. Mm -hmm. We bought seven properties there. Seven of <laughs> Fantastic. them. Fantastic. Are you selling <laughs> are you selling any of them right now? Because I'm All just about to Oh, we made money, ton of money, but we are selling the one in Sagin. If you are interested, or anybody <laughs> interested, Sagin, we have one property, 128 units, beautiful on a golf course and everything. 
and they are building, I think, an A-class building right opposite to us, which Fantastic. will increase our price. But we are selling it now. That's incredible. Price. It's a very good price. It's always a very good price. Um, well, Vinny, I want to end the show by asking you to give me your top five investing tips. You ready to dive into it? Oh, sure, sure. I would Mate. love to. What is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? You know, the key thing I find is that one has to be totally motivated, internally motivated, you know, right. have that burning desire and massive action. I know you mentioned that too in your intro. That's what I believe in. I said, make something today. Don't mm -hmm. worry about yesterday. If yesterday you didn't work or something went wrong or something negative came in the life, it's gone. It's ashes. Learn from it. Like Rod talks about seminars, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you learn and then you put it into what can you do today? In my whole life here in USA, and I've accomplished quite a bit other stuff in the other parts of my life is because I try to put everything in compartments. Right. So compartmentalize it and put together a game plan to accomplish a lot more in 20, 30, 40 minute segments. We should not say, okay, I'm going to work on it and I'm going to give three hours. <laughs> I never redraft my, my writings. I just do it one time, then I read through it and put one or two more lines to it and it's done. Right. So the thing is, you've got to just concentrate. I don't know, it's a long answer. No, no, it's good. Massive action daily. And right in the morning, you know, getting yourself exercise, uh, pay gratitude, you know, and then listening to chanting and things like yoga, which yep. I do. I, I, I love yoga. I'm a huge fan of it. I'm a huge Thank fan you. of meditation. I think you yeah. some, some, some great things, but make, get, making something today is really, really important. That's very important. Yeah. But make the second question, who's been the most influential person in your career to date? You know, gosh, I, I would say a lot of mentors. I mean, when I came to this country, I could not even, nobody could understand me. People can understand me still. <laughs> you know, when I saw I've got the same problem. I know, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, you never think that this is a handicap at all. Right. You could no. use it to your advantage, yes. you know? Yes. And that's what happened when I sold books door to door outside Austell, Georgia and Atlanta, Georgia. People couldn't understand. They said, hey, come on in. I don't know what you're saying. Just come on in. And that was a good advantage. But, you know, the key thing is that uh, you want to make sure that you're giving value to everybody around you. I think that's how I live my life. And that's what it's all about. If you help enough people get what they want, Zig Ziglar, you know, in my life, of course, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Tony Ra, all these mentors. But in my professional life, my sales managers, my directors, and one of my very good mentor, Spencer Hayes, I don't mind saying he passed away this year, a multi-billionaire who really guided me a lot and really gave me so much love for the 40 years I was with the same company. So, you know, I really have a big tribute and, uh, you know, and so forth. Just a wonderful, wonderful that's, mentor. That's fantastic, mate. I want to, you mentioned a lot of great mentors out there that clearly influenced you over the period of time. And I think you, if you're coming first and foremost with that education, that want to help other people and help them succeed, it's only going to pay it back in massive dividends okay. to your own business. So I completely agree. Uh, Vinny, what is the most influential tool in your real estate business? You mentioned a couple of websites already. 
but surely you'll have an influential tool that you might want to you know, share with the listeners. You know, I would love to. I mean, you know, what I did was like, I love Dave Lindahl, but they have like one sheet they give for underwriting, but we are able to perfect that sheet much longer and better and, you know, and a lot of tabs and a lot of permutations. Yeah, I'm a systems guy. Yep, so right. that's what really has made my business very strong. And that way we could look through all the different variables quickly to determine if it's a good deal or not. So 26 deals we have done and we'll be doing probably six more next year in the fund. You know? So you, you, you put your most influential tool being your uh, underwriting, underwriting systems. Underwriting, underwriting systems. Fantastic. Fantastic. What's been the biggest failure in your career? and What did you learn from that failure? Oh my gosh, you know, I did a big interview with Paul Moore in a How to Lose Money, yep. <laughs> that podcast. And <laughs> what happened was there is one property, which is a beautiful, beautiful property in, in my portfolio, which uh, the sellers put in 3.6 million to renovate it, a C wow. class to an A class, by the wow. way. All granite tops, molded ceilings, luscious hills of greenery, a creek flowing through it and everything. And uh, new uh, balconies, new staircases, new roof. You can't ask for anything else. But the problem was the day I stepped on it, <laughs> it just blew up because they did not take care of the sewer problem. Uh, and my due diligence people, uh, you know, they didn't find it. I mean, there was no smell, no nothing. We didn't run the cameras underneath. So uh -huh. that cost me about 150000 Then we had demographic problems within that community, people breaking bottles and things <laughs> like that in the parking lot. So anyway, you know, those things kind of, make you yeah. humble <laughs> no they make you humble but you also learn from them right you, yeah. you learn different things you know next time every single time your due diligence team goes yeah. to site they're going to be snaking those lines right that's right they're, they're putting a camera down there and they're making sure it's completely clear so you're not buying something that's going to be a ticking time bomb right well i'm so glad you said that because after that whole instance my fourth property in my my 12 property portfolio, I bought this property. I knew these buildings were down because the sewer lines were down. So even before I put the LOI, I asked the seller if, and the broker, if I can send my camera people in there and they went there, they gave me the estimate. It's going to cost 26,000, 29,000 to get this. And they had not worked with these three bedroom whole buildings for two years. They did not know what to do with it. And I bought that for 6.78 million or whatever. It's worth 12 million today. After my taking care of all these, the leasing office, we got a reward in that city also from the mayor. When, because we always do renovations. We change the name to Villas. I always grew up, uh, you know, in India, Villas was very mind, you know, so that's our name brand. We changed the names to, you know, Montera Villas, Monaco Villas, this and that, you know. But the key thing I wanted to mention was that the value comes once you know how you're going to add value to the, to the property. You know, the leasing office was not used for two and a half years and I spent 60,000 only. And now it's one of the most darling piece of the property right in the front. Parking lot was not taken care of. I spent 170,000 the day one to get it all. And the, the residents were, I mean, they were just startled, you know, to see, you know, because uh, I was just taking action. And we, I accepted, I think, 23 uh, proposals in one week. 
to work on that particular apartment. I mean, uh, that community, you know. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, it sounds like you've got an incredible array of experiences and things that you have learned over your time that have completely made you into the investor you are today and the syndicator you are today. Um, so, so well done. I want to end the show by asking you, where can people reach you if they want to continue the conversation? They have any questions for you? Uh, they want to reach out and you know just have a, have a chat? Oh, sure, sure. You know, actually now we are building a website. My name, www dot Vinny Chopra, that's V as in Victor, I, N, N, that's Nancy, Nancy, E, Y. There is a E also. And sometimes people say Vinny, V, I, N, N, Y. Right. But there is an E. I love elephants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put E in there. And then Vinny Chopra. Chopra is like Deepak Chopra, uh, who might be my cousin. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, uh, Chopra is C-H-O-P-R-A, Chopra, P as in Paul, R-A.com. And then I'm also building multifamily syndication academy.com and multifamily youth academy.com. That's the one. My youth academy will be free all life. I will never ever, you know, will put any price tag to it. I would like our, you know, young people to come and learn and really enjoy. And then, of course, uh, you know, uh, people can just email me and text me, Vinny at vinnychopra.com. Fantastic. I would love to answer Fantastic. them. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to, 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 to jump on this show. I just want to quickly summarize some of the great things that I, I took away from today's show. I think the big thing for you is, is make it, make something happen, get, take action, you know, always be looking forward uh, at what you, what you want to achieve. Don't look backwards. And I think, um, you know, having really good morals and ethics is, is very, very important. It sounds like you have that in spades uh, and, and you really want to make sure that you're doing well for your investors. And I think the biggest one for me um, takeaway was that you, you're, you're very communicate, you communicate very efficiently and well with your investors even through the, da- the bad times. And, and you had an example of that where you had all those lawyers <laughs> that, that were breathing down your neck, but through good communication, through uh, ex- walking them through the issues, you're able to hopefully come out on, on the right side. So um, did I leave anything out? No, I think you hit it right. You know, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, it's not rocket science. That's one thing I would like to say. You know, I hope that a lot of your listeners will get into syndication world because by investing a little bit money, your own personal money, you can buy smaller units. But when you want to get 50, 100, 200, 400 units, you're helping a lot of people around you who have ton of money in IRAs, in their retirement plans, and they're getting very small percentage per year. And if you can help them to get preferred rate of 8% or 9% and then with equity gain on the back end passively, they will really, really say a very good thanks to you and we, you know, give you good wishes. Yeah. No, they, I, I completely 100% agree with uh, everything you say. But Vinny, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thank you, Reed, and thank you for what you are doing. It's really wonderful that you are able to bring this special show to so many great people. But thank you so much again for taking some time out of your day. Have a great rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Now make sure you check out the show notes on my website at reedgoosens.com for a summary of today's conversation with Vinny. All the links that we did mention in today's show will be up on the podcast tab. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. Education plus action meet equals massive results. So until next week, take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing.